0: Pray with me. Father, we ask that you would open these scriptures for us, that they would be words of life, that for having spent time with you, that this word would find fertile soil in our hearts and lives, and we could become more like your Son, Jesus. For it's in his name that we offer you this time, and we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. We have a lot of people uh, who are being confirmed today, and you're going to hear a little bit more about that lesson from. Um, the book of Acts that you just uh, you just heard um, to set the stage in history remember we went through Holy Week we had Palm Sunday the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem then on Thursday night was the institution of the Lord's Supper the washing of feet where he modeled incredible servanthood to the people he divested his robes, he washed their feet, then he took back his robes and was seated at the table again after doing his servanthood. That's a picture of the ministry of God the Son. Remember in heaven we had God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And because of the fall and the need for redemption, God had to come into the world to fix things. So God the Son agrees with the Father's plan And he takes on flesh in Jesus Christ, born of Mary and the power of the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which is different from us because our conception is natural. And that which had been lost in the garden because of the sin of Adam and Eve was the intimacy with God and the spirit life that had initially been breathed into them as a breath of life. So if you can imagine their sin rebelling against God, it was like um, a knife that punctured the balloon-like place in their life where the Holy Spirit was inside them. That was punctured, and the spirit flutters away, so the spiritual intimacy with God that they had in the garden could no longer uh, continue. They didn't have spirit life, so they couldn't pass it on. So generation after generation after generation, you have people with a body and a soul, but no spirit life until Jesus comes. And then for the first time since the garden, he's the new creation. He is um, whole with a body, a soul, and a spirit because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus suffers through the night, is crucified on Friday, dies, and is raised. That night... Easter night. The disciples are gathered back in the Jerusalem Holiday Inn. They had the door locked because they didn't want to be arrested and be crucified like Jesus had been. And suddenly, Jesus appears in the room. He shows them his hands and his side and says, Shalom, y'all. Peace be with you. Which is the It's a normal greeting. If you walk down the street in Jerusalem, people would pass by you and say shalom as you pass by peace. But he was saying more than that, that peace has been restored with God. And then he does something uh, that looks a little odd. Says he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. So what's happening is, they were being recreated in the spirit born again of the Spirit, if you will, but the same thing that had happened in the garden with Adam and Eve from the Father breathing the Spirit life into them now happens in this um, uh, dining room of the hotel where they're staying, and their spirits come to life again. And then Jesus gives this challenge to them and to us, as the Father sent me, I send you. That, to me, is a more poignant Great Commission, even than the, uh, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, into all the world. Um, teaching all that I've commanded, baptizing in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's challenging enough to make disciples of nations. But Jesus says in John 20, as the Father sent me, I send you. In other words, everything that Jesus did, we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love the way that he loved. We're supposed to listen to God the way that he did. We're supposed to do the things that Jesus did. So if you look at the trail of miracles behind Jesus, the trail of miracles behind the people of God and his church ought to look exactly the same. Not only that, we're called the body of Christ, So we're supposed to act like it. An unbeliever has the right to say to us, oh, you're the body of Christ? Show me the Jesus stuff. I want to see the stuff. Well, the things that Jesus did uh, were pretty intimidating. Now, I have to be clear that the miracles that Jesus did were not because he was God. Philippians... Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, he's very clear about this, and he said that though he was in the exact form of God, he did not count his equality with God as something to be clung to, but he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. Theologians call that kenosis. It means emptying. So even though Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time, All of the perks, the prerogatives of divinity, he set aside. And he lived his life and did his miracles as a man obedient to God and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we hear Jesus in the upper room saying back to these guys, as the Father sent me, I send you. And you'd think, man, now it's ready to rock and roll. They've been with Jesus. They were devastated because he died then they just overjoyed because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Now they've been born again of the Spirit, so they're now alive spiritually, and they've been commissioned by God. As the Father sent me, I send you. So they're supposed to go out now and do the stuff that Jesus did. But Jesus didn't say, now get moving. Instead, he said, but wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. So they prayed. There were numerous appearances of Jesus, uh, wonderful times where it says that he opened to them the scriptures. And I, I'd love that if you, if you want to have an interesting year, read through the Bible starting in the Old Testament and see how many um, images of Jesus you can identify, how many things there are in the Old Testament that were prefiguring the arrival and ministry of Jesus. It's amazing, it's all through through there. I proposed to do that one year and found out, I kept finding more and more things. So that was about six or seven years ago and I'm still still making new notes of things that I'm discovering of the ministry of Jesus being prefigured in the Old Testament. Uh, So much so that the right way to read the Bible is to look through the pages as though the words are printed on glass and look into the face of Jesus and ask him, where are you in this passage? It's amazing. He'll just tell you again and again. So wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. So see the progression, triumphal entry, institution of the Lord's Supper, washing of feet, suffering through the night, uh, being Um, horribly treated, crucified, dies, buried, rises again, appears to them, appears to them, appears to them, teaches them. But then Jesus ascends back into heaven and takes his place back at the side of God, just like he had prefigured at that Last Supper um, servanthood. And then comes Pentecost, where the power of God is released in their lives. So the power of the Holy Spirit is what we need to be able to fully do the things that we are called to do. That is to change the world and as the Father sent Jesus to do the things that Jesus did. So the day of Pentecost comes, and remember Peter, who had denied Jesus three times Later on, Jesus, the resurrected one, gives him three opportunities to reaffirm his commitment and give three affirmations where he'd had three denials. But Peter is not fully changed until the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the power comes, and then Peter is so changed... This guy who had just 40 days before, 50 days before, been a coward, stands up on the temple steps in Jerusalem and preaches a sermon where 3,000 people are converted. If you go to that spot and those steps are still there, the gate into the city has been bricked over now. That's not open, but the steps are still there. So you can see where Peter stood. And there's plenty of room for thousands of people to be in front of him. So he had his wall, his back to the wall, of the city, on the steps, speaking to the people who were out here. Directly behind them, guess what was there? The ritual baths. It's about the only place, other than the Jordan River, the only place in Israel where 3,000 people could be baptized. So they went immediately to the ritual baths right there, and they were baptized, and 3,000 souls were added. Some people were set on fire with this and very excited and began spontaneously sharing about Jesus. Others were not happy. Some of the the temple authorities were really upset and they began to persecute the people that talked about the risen Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we come into um, our lesson today in Acts chapter 8 where it says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Why were they scattered? They were scattered because of the persecution in Jerusalem. Now, Philip went to Samaria. Samaria is close by, but the people there were not considered to be faithful Jews, even though they had Jewish heritage. When the tribes came into the promised land, some of them went up into the the area of Canaan, and they adopted the pagan practices of the Canaanites. And they mixed that in with their Jewish roots and they came up with this really strange combination of things that had like temple prostitutes and crazy things that were going on in their worship and it wasn't following God's law at all. And they were considered to be so... Far removed from the faith, that they weren't just called Samaritans, but the Jews called them Samaritan dogs. Because back then, dogs weren't considered delightful family friends. They were considered to be parasites who just took resources and didn't really do much positive. So it's really interesting that Philip decides to go to the Samaritan dogs and preach about Jesus. Then we read what happened there. He preached Christ to them, multitudes with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. Do you hear the the phrase there? I find it very disquieting. It doesn't bother me that he was preaching Christ, but they were heeding the things that Philip spoke, and they saw the miracles that he did. I'd be much more comfortable with that if it said, well, Philip prayed for some people and Jesus did miracles. But it's not what it says. It says he did miracles because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so he was doing what Jesus said to do. The works that I do, you shall also do. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. Then, verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached these things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now, by all accounts, these were Christians. They'd heard the word, they had believed the word, they'd committed to Christ, and they were baptized. So they were Christians. But... Listen to this. When the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. I think part of that was to say, how could it be the Samaritan dogs are receiving the Holy Spirit that we got? We were the children of God. We were the tribes of Israel. It's no surprise that God would love us and pour out his spirit, but these were the Samaritan dogs. We got to go check this out. They sent Peter and John to them, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. They laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This can be very confusing because remember what Jesus had said in the upper room? receive the Holy Spirit. So if they were born of the Spirit and had received the Spirit in that way, what's it talking about here? Um, I've often told the Lord that it would have been much better in the text if he had said the power of the Holy Spirit was released. And he told me clay and potter. Remember that verse? What does the clay have to say to the potter he was unimpressed with my theological reflection. so it says received here but i will tell you i understand it better when you think of reception receiving the power of the holy spirit here in the way of the spirit's power being released in your life think of you know the continental divide Uh, The place I've known about it is in Colorado, where literally in the space, just the size of this platform, on this side, if a raindrop falls, it goes into a stream, a lake, a river, that goes into the Gulf and then into the Atlantic. Just over there, a few feet away, if a raindrop falls, it goes into the Pacific Ocean. It's a continental divide. Well, in the world, there's this great continental divide, those that are in Christ and those that are not yet in Christ. If we meet people that are not in Christ, then our responsibility is to help bring them to him. Of those in Christ, there's another great divide. People who are um, faithfully following Jesus might well say, Lord, I give you myself and I will follow you and I will serve you with all that I am and all the strength and resources that I have. And that's a good thing. But it's also possible to say, in addition to all the resources and the strength that I have, Lord, I am inviting you to work in me supernaturally and work through me supernaturally. To give me power to do more than I have the capacity to do on my own and to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit which the Bible says are given for the benefit of all in the body. Now, you can do that at any time. Anyone who's in Christ can pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be released, and you can invite the Lord to work in you supernaturally and through you supernaturally. But it's such a key and important part. Since the first century, this lesson from the book of Acts has been read And the church has celebrated confirmation. Confirmation is a compound word, con with firm strength. The strengthening of the Holy Spirit, which you'll hear in the the declarations over the confirmands. But it's a time just to ensure that people are brought to the place where they're given the opportunity to say, Lord, I invite you to work in me and through me supernaturally. So there are a couple of prayers that are really important for us to pray. One is a a prayer of surrender and commitment to Christ for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to commit to follow him in the fellowship of the church. And the other is to open your life to the power of the Holy Spirit for you to be able to fulfill what Jesus called you to do as part of the body to... Um, do the works that Jesus did, and that as the Father sent Jesus, we are sent into the world as well. And I'll tell you a a sad confession, but it turned out okay, so. Um, My wife and I believe that miracles could happen, but let's say the the proclamation of what the Bible said was true in our lives was here, and our experience level was here. There's a great temptation to say, well, let's just make that figurative or inspiring stories for the past. Let's just water down the Bible and get it down here to the level of our experience. But instead, it's probably 10 years ago, maybe a little more, that we said, you know what? There might be a different way to pray. Why don't we pray instead of watering down the scriptures so that they line up with our experience? Why don't we start to pray, Lord, could you raise our experience more in line with what the Bible says is the truth? And we began to pray differently. And what's interesting is we began to see more dramatic prayers answered. Sadly, we haven't seen all our prayers answered. There are still lots of things that we hunger for that we haven't seen. But we do believe that what the Scripture says is true... And we need to rise to that level rather than watering down the Bible to the level of our experience. So now today we're about to move into the confirmation. We'll be the laying on of hands. And I think we'll leave the mics on so you'll hear. I, um, I always pray and ask the Lord if he's got any image or picture or word or encouragement that he wants to offer to the people who are being confirmed. So the, we'll do that with each one. It's going to take a while. Especially with, what, 300 people today be confirmed? Um, so it takes, takes a little while. So I invite you to do two things. Pray for the people who are being confirmed, but then also ask the question, Lord, have I really done this? Have I said, I want you to be Lord of my life? And have I really said, work in me and through me supernaturally? So you can have that same kind of a touch today. But just remember, in the church... We are celebrating that as a reminder just to make sure that it is not forgotten and not missed. Father, we take these words and ask that you would bind them to our hearts and you would call us to the fullness of life through Jesus Christ, our Lord.